Maya back again, guys. I have one more update for y'all. My Take now has a Patreon. I'm trying to expand the My Take community and also expand my earnings a little bit by creating a Patreon. We have three tiers, and in the top tier, we're actually starting a My Take book club. So anybody who joins, we're going to be reading a book together a month, and there's going to be monthly live streams and Discord benefits. So I'd really, really, really appreciate it if you could go check it out. The link is in the show notes. Hey guys, it's Maya, and I just wanted to jump on here and promote my takes Instagram really quick because we're doing a lot of fun things. I'm doing more posts, more stories, and I also have to say I've started a new series called The Bottom Shelf, and it's video reviews, IGTV video reviews, and I think they're super fun, and they're all on the Instagram, so go follow my take on social media and specifically on Instagram at underscore my take. Y'all, it's here. The third one in the trilogy is here. As Good as Dead by Holly Jackson, which is the third book in the A Good Girl's Guide to Murder trilogy. And if you've never heard of that trilogy, I don't know where you've been because it is taking over Bookstagram and has been since the first book came out back in 2020. I love this series. I have episodes on both A Good Girl's Guide to Murder and Good Girl Bad Blood. And I have been desperately, desperately waiting for As Good As Dead because Holly Jackson is a British author, which means the books come out in Britain first and British Bookstagram has had this book for a couple months and I've been so fucking jealous because I wanted the book. I got very close to asking one of my British Bookster friends to be like, hey, if I pay you, can you like buy me a copy and ship it to me? But then I was like, A, shipping costs are going to be very expensive and the book is already pretty expensive. And B, it wouldn't fit with my like other two copies. It'd be like the British edition. So it wouldn't like look nice next to my other two on a shelf. And I was like, aesthetically, I can't do that to myself. So I waited and waited and waited, but it is here and I devoured it. I stayed up too late, two nights in a row both nights before a tournament, like Friday night and Saturday night when I played on Saturday and Sunday, stayed up too late reading this book. But I read it. Now we're here to talk about it. I think it might have been my least favorite in the trilogy, but the, all three books in the trilogy are so good that I think it's very close. But this series as a whole has had a huge impact on me because it was because of the first book that I like launched my podcast. Like I read that book and I was like, I need to talk to somebody about this book. So if you want to listen to my episode on that, scroll all the way back down in your feeds or go to my website, 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 uh, mytakepod.weebly.com, I think. And it'll be like the first one under books. But it was because of that book that I launched my podcast. And then the second book came out basically around the year anniversary of my podcast because it came out a year after and so as soon as I finished reading this book I started crying a little bit because of the story and the characters but a lot mostly because of the impact that the series has had on me and it might be like my second favorite series all time behind Legend by Marie Lu which Legend just will never be topped but this might be like my second favorite because of the story and the characters and like the impact it had on me and so obviously, because of all of those things, I'm so, so, so excited to finally be here and talking about this book. It's like very bittersweet too, though. Like I'm kind of 
not as excited as I thought I'd be because it's the last one. Like, I don't have another Pip and Ravi story to look forward to. I just have this one. But we're going to do it. We're going to crush it. It's going to be great. Books, TV, music, and movies. All things to make a big impact on everyone. I'm constantly gushing about my latest read to anyone who listened, so I figured I'd turn my rambling into something coherent that people will actually listen to, which means no tuning out halfway through. I'm Maya Ghosh, and this is my take. As always with the book, we're going to start with a little bit on the writing. First off, I forgot, I realized I didn't say this in the little intro. If my voice sounds weird, I just got back from three days in Disneyland. Well, two days in Disney and one in California Adventure. And jumping straight back into reality, so my voice has not really had time to recover from all the screaming of terror I did on rides because I'm not a roller coaster person. But that is why my voice is a little gravelly. It kind of works with this episode because this uh, book was very, like, dark. So, like, I'm kind of okay with it. But that's just the city of my voice. We always start with the writing here at my take. We already know this one was so dark. Like, after Good Girl, Bad Blood, we knew that As Good As Dead had to be dark. And, like, we've seen this also with, like, very obviously the progression of the covers. Like, A Good Girl's Guide to Murder starts out, it's, like, gray and you got the white or not white you've got the like red like strings and it's like light and upbeat and she's still like taking on her title of good girl and then good girl bad blood it's like red and there's more like darkness to it and you see the start of like the gun it's not a metaphor but it's not a symbol because it's like recurring I don't know you see the start of you see the start of like Pip holding the gun in her chest in that book and then with this one it's like it's black and the writing is red and it's like you're getting real into like the deep shit and the darkness so this book was definitely very dark also my fridge just started making noise so if you hear that in the background I apologize my fridge likes to do this and I'm not gonna unplug it just to record a podcast episode anyways shit's dark um I think with this book the mystery was kind of easy I actually figured out who it was I think it was pretty obvious who it was just like from the context clues and from what we got and I was kind of sad that the mystery felt so easy because with the last two books the mysteries were so intertwined and such like a focal point of the book and I get it like you're moving on she's being darker it's like the finale you want to wrap up you want to give her like this grand exit but I was a little sad because I was like those ones are so mystery driven and so like Pip in her element like looking into a mystery and being a detective and doing all those things whereas with this one you see the focus shift so heavily into like her covering up the body and like getting away with murder so it was definitely like an interesting shift because the mystery wraps up before the halfway point of the book I'm pretty sure so it was interesting I can't tell whether I liked it more or not I think I liked it less but I felt like it was necessary based on the character arc that got started in good girl bad blood had we just had a good girl's guide to murder and this had been the follow-up i would have been like whoa this is a dramatic shift in pip's character but because of the scene we set in good girl bad blood i think her killing jason and like getting away with it and stuff was necessary in the arc but i wasn't satisfied that at the end of this book Pip had actually grown and healed from everything 
because she just kind of like kills him and then cuts off from everyone and we see like almost two years later she's reconnecting with Ravi but we're just supposed to assume that either she like just kind of survived and wasn't really living for those two years or she like actually grew and healed in those two years like I almost wanted like a fourth book for more closure from that aspect because I feel like I wanted to see Pip be okay not necessarily that she has to go back to like being a good girl and like having that mantle because I think she's too scarred from that and I think she realized that she doesn't have to do that and she doesn't have to be that to like get her way and I think in some ways she can't be that to get her way but I wanted to see more of like her mental recovery from it and like whether that happens in the two years that Max's trial is going on or whether that happens in the time after Max's trial and, like, after she reconnects with Sarge, Sarge, with Ravi, sorry, I'm thinking of that text, which we will, we will talk about, we will fucking talk about, okay? Whether her mental, whether, whenever her mental healing happens, I wish we had seen more of that, because I'm not convinced that Pip is still mentally okay, and all I wanted for this book was for Pip to mentally be okay, so I while I was reading it, I was okay with how it ended because all I desperately wanted was for Robbie and Pip to be okay. Like, that's mostly what I cared about going into this book. I was like, I don't care what happens with the story. I don't care what happens with Pip, but Pip and Robbie need to be okay because I was convinced. I was like, she's gonna fuck with their outside lives so much that, like, she can't fuck with them. Like, that's how it works. Either your book is based more on the relationship, so you have to fuck with the relationship to create plot, or the relationship is just another aspect of the book and so you have to fuck with everything else but the relationship gets to stay okay and she kind of like did both because for the first two books she like never fucked with their relationship and like all the way through the third book she was like they're okay they're together and then Pip was like we can't I was like fuck you Holly Jackson you're not allowed to do that so I needed them to be together and that's all I cared about going into the last little bit of the book but then upon reflection and thinking about this book and sitting with it I needed more to know that Pip was okay I don't know that Pip is okay and Pip is my child and I need her to be okay so that was a really long talking about the writing I still love the book but I do have these like little hang-ups with it so maybe Holly Jackson will surprise us and we'll get a fourth book of like Pip just being happy and okay and finding her way back to society and going through college and being friends with Kara and making new friends and living her life with Ravi and being a good child and older sister. I doubt that's going to happen, but it could maybe down the line. Maybe Holly Jackson will pull up Marie Lou and like five years later give us the wrap up that we need and deserve from this book. But yeah, that is all I have to say on the writing. So, now that we've talked about the writing, we're going to get into the plot, and we have a lot of shit to get through because this book is A, thick, and B, a lot of shit happens, and I don't want this episode to be, like, 45 minutes because editing long episodes like that is such a drag, so we're going to try to move quickly. Starting with Charlie, still out there, and Pip still has the gun as her heartbeat, and she is, like, not mentally doing well like I hated that aspect of this book so much with like Pip's mental health because all I want is for her to be okay and safe and happy but she's like 
popping zannies to go to sleep and that's why we're interacting with luke eaton which i didn't like which i get it comes around in the end because she needs the like rifenol or whatever the fuck they use to like drug max but i didn't like that she was like out here popping zannies and like trying to being like oh it's the last time it's the last time like very addict like language that was another thing that never really got resolved she never got help for that we never saw like if she's in college is she taking them still is she done like what's going on so that's another thing and she like fucking wants to talk to charlie so charlie can be like this is how you be okay with like the person that you are and then he gets captured later on in the book and she can't talk to him because she could be a witness in his investigation and she's fucking sad about that and i was like no pip you need to learn that just because you are kind of similar to him in some ways doesn't mean you are him and doesn't mean you have to like actually talk to him and get advice from him like it was just so fucked and i was so not happy and then after like we see her like terrible mental state we see the fact that she used to go to this mediation with max and he is like you know i want a lot of money but i would take just some money if you went on your podcast and was like i doctored that audio and like i lied about max which like fuck off fuck fuck all the way off he can fuck all the way off like we already know max fucking sucks so that sucks for her one thing that didn't suck about the early days of the book was that she made a spreadsheet of details about Ravi's extended family because she was going to meet Ravi's extended family. And I live for Ravi. I live for him so much. The fact that he has glasses in this one and we see him with glasses. The fact that he is Pip's best thing. The fact that he calls her Sarge and has so many different nicknames for her. Like, he's just so happy and funny and he's my, like, number two book boyfriend. Like, it goes Day from Legend, who will, like, always be number one because he's fucking Day and he's so fucking hot. But Ravi is number two. Like, I just want a Ravi in my life. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the perfect combination of Day and Ravi. And I just, all of the little moments between them. And, oh, he's just, he is my favorite. No, he's not. Yes, he is. I don't know who my favorite character in this book is because I fucking love Pip and Ravi so much. But I love him and just seeing their moments and like they kind of sucked because pip was like i need to hold back i need to like not do all these things whatever you know but i love him i love him so much he's the best oh and we like kind of see maybe it could go right for pip in the beginning because like she's having all these cute moments with ravi and she's planning on solving this jane doe case because she's like it's very black and white and that'll like she'll save the jane doe and she'll also save herself because she'll save her mental state and like the entire gang like pip and ravi and Kara and jamie and connor and nat are all hanging out at the cafe and that was such a sweet moment but then it fucking sucked because pip had to go and be like yeah well my happiness didn't really last with that so <sighs> but then her happiness doesn't last and we start like ramping up the plot because two dead pigeons have been left at her house there's these weird chalk drawings and she gets threatening emails so of course in true pip fashion she makes a spreadsheet of all of this and then goes to detective hawkins who kind of victim blames and does nothing which once again is par for the course but then ravi takes pip on a walk did i really need to write that like there were more drawings no i just need to write write talk about i don't fucking know 
mention did i need to mention that there were more drawings and robbie finally saw them no but i did need to mention that robbie took pip on a walk because he knew that she needed to like get out and stuff and like again live live for robbie but there's more drawings when they get back from that we learn that the dt killer may or may not be innocent and pip talks to his mom and his mom makes some good points about the case and then we see the confession like pip gets to read the confession and once you read the confession you're like okay he's innocent or if he is that confession is such bullshit like not if he is he is like from that confession you can tell like he's innocent because the confession is bullshit and he worked for jason bell's company so this is where like the pieces start to fit together and then pip gets prank calls and she almost gets hit by a car we do later learn that the car thing may have been luke but it was still, like, scary in the moment because she's like, holy shit, the DT killer's out to get me. And we talked to Harriet, who was a sister of one of the victims of the DT killer, and she was friends with Andy Bell. And we find out that Andy emailed her from this, like, different address. So Pip uses Becca, which I didn't like that the one time we saw Becca in this book, she was getting used by Pip because Pip had been doing so good talking to her, but now she's, like, using her. So I was not happy with Pip in that moment. But we get into Andy's secret email and we learn that she all but admits that someone in her family is the DT killer. And, like, she was like, I need to get out. I need to get Becca out. Like, it's not safe. And I was like, okay, so it's Jason. Like, that was my immediate thought. I literally wrote in my notes. I was like, okay, she all but admits that her dad is the DT killer. But Pip was like, oh, it could be Dan Silva, And, like, it could be these other people. And I was like, Pip, honey think about this one for a second it's jason bell but then jason bell who we don't know is jason bell yet prints the who will look for you when you're the one that disappears question to her printer and like blast music from her speaker so her parents and josh freak out and then right when we think we're doing it pip's like i have the app i unscrambled the phone number i know who this is he kidnaps her and i know that the entire time we've been saying who will look for you when you disappear but I was not prepared for her to be kidnapped. I was, I was so shook. I was freaking out. I, like, the lights were off. I was reading with my reading light and I was like, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck? And so my roommate was like, what is going on? And I was like explaining this to her as it was happening because I needed to talk to somebody. Also, I was like right about to go to sleep and then Pip got kidnapped and I was like, fuck me. Now I have to keep reading because obviously I have to know what happens. But Pip gets kidnapped and it's this whole thing and we see that it's Jason Bell and he has like really shitty misogynistic motives that like women just need to be seen and not heard and listen to him. So I didn't really appreciate that aspect of the mystery too because I was like at least make it more interesting than he's like a sexist misogynistic asshole like that's just boring you know but he is and we get like some explanation and Pip's like piecing things together in her head and for some reason I just had a hunch that that purple hairbrush that we saw on Andy's desk when we looked at the planner earlier when we were investigating like Andy and Harriet's relationship I was like that purple hairbrush has something to do with something I couldn't remember why but I was like that's related and then finally it came back that that was from one of the victims that was like the trophy and I was like see I'm smart I know I have a brain but I was very like validated with Jason Bell but I was also like holy shit Pip holy shit Pip like you can't die you have to be okay and then one of the worst parts of this book is that two books later we get the knowledge that Jason Bell had seen 
Becca Bell with Barney when Barney went missing in the first book. And Jason Bell took Barney to the river and drowned him, thinking that he was teaching Becca a lesson because Becca had not asked to get a dog. And I did not need this closure. Two books later, Barney was dead. I had buried him. I was not worried about him. And then you just bring this shit up. And I was like, why? Like, I was so sad in that moment and so sad for Pip. And it was just like a roller coaster of emotions. And I was not okay. And then I was even more not okay because Jason had all the power. And he, like, taped up Pip's face and left Pip there. But Pip, oh. This was such a roller coaster of emotions, but Pip, like, she was amazing, and she, I love how she used Ravi's voice as, like, her internal monologue, and Ravi was talking her through all of this and got her free, and then she's on her way out, and Jason comes back, and she, she beats him to death with a hammer, and that scene was fucking graphic. It was intense. I, like, I read it out loud to my roommate because my roommate was like, what's going on? I was like, holy shit. Like, she just killed him or whatever. And then she was like, what do you mean killed him? And I was like, beat him to death with a hammer. And she was like, really? And I, like, read the scene to her and she was like, oh, shit. Well, she was also like, Pip's a badass. But I was like, oh, shit. Like, that scene was intense. And then Ravi shows up. And I was, like, so happy Ravi showed up. But then Pip couldn't hug him because she had, like, all the DNA evidence and stuff. So they're like, okay, we're going to manipulate the body temperature so it looks like he was killed later than it was. We can get alibis and we can frame Max. So they use the car as a fridge for the body, which is actually really interesting. I never thought of that. That was really cool. Jamie, Connor, and Nat all help and, like, you know, play their part. They also they can't know exactly what's going on because possible deniability, but they all help Nat gets to punch Max, which was might have been my favorite part of the book because I just live for the fact that Nat finally got to do that so many years later. Also, speaking of Max, the symbolism of Max being passed out and his video game character being dead on the screen, very great. I loved that very much. And also, like, while we're talking about literary things, the way that Holly Jackson paced the book was really interesting because... The book starts off like normal book pace, like we're not dropped straight into action, but it's also not like slow. It's like normal pace. And then it gets really like fast and intense when Pip gets kidnapped. But then as soon as she like, time slows down as she's kidnapped and as she's getting herself out. But as soon as she like kills Jason, time like all but halts to a stop. And it is so dragged out. Like that entire night is probably like at least a couple hundred pages of the book it's like so intense and dragged out and so I love the way that she's pacing in this book too but back to the whole drama of everything Pip then has to go to Kara's and she has to call Max's lawyer and they have to go to McDonald's and their hangout is so stilted and awkward and I don't like it and Pip has to like fucking throw up in the bathroom it's just like this whole thing that I didn't like and I didn't appreciate and I wasn't happy that all of this was happening to Pip But then, after, like, she makes it, she has an alibi with Kara and Naomi. Her and Ravi are very, very thorough with the cleanup of the car, and they light the warehouse on fire. And then she flushes all the clothes down the drain after they've been soaked in bleach. So she's, like, up all night, and then, like, she goes to bed as the sun is coming up. Like, I felt so bad for her when she was like, yeah, I gotta go to bed and, like, you know, act like I'm sick and all this stuff. Like, just to see the sheer exhaustion exhaustion 
like that she had to deal with doing all that like I could never are you fucking kidding me I go to bed at like 10 p.m every night like that's the one way you would know I'd never be a murderer I mean there are many other ways you know I'd never be a murderer but one of the ways is I could not stay up late enough to do that shit and to like hide a body and all that are you kidding me like I, I go to bed at 10 I'm not out gallivanting around. Like, it would be weirder if I tried to create an alibi of, like, being out on the town at 3 a.m. than, like, if I was just in bed asleep. To anybody that knows me. Anyways, that was a tangent. Getting back to it. They do all this successfully, and then the news breaks. So, Pip's like, I'm going to investigate the case because that would be, like, normal. But also, she knows that, like, if she does her investigation, she can nudge the police towards Max. And then she gets interviewed by Hawkins. And it's going good. It's going good. And he pulls out her headphones. And I about lost it. I was not okay. I did not like it. And then Ravi fucking saves the day, which thank God, because she was like, I need to confess. I need to confess. I need to confess. And Ravi's like, yo, you don't need to confess. I fixed it. Thank God for Ravi. Live for Ravi. And then while she's, like, reflecting on all of this, she's like, oh, shit, I need to help get Billy's case overturned because he needs to get out of prison and I haven't been thinking about him. And Pip gets attacked by Max at the police station because Max is like, you did this somehow. And Pip's like, yeah, well, you're lucky I didn't put you in the ground, too, which that was a pretty badass moment from Pip. But she's getting attacked. And then we think we're in the clear And Hawkins has to go and be like, you know, if you did something like this, you'd know exactly how to get away with it. So then she has to dump Robbie until Max is, like, officially charged and guilty. Because if she doesn't, then it comes back on her. And if it comes back on her, it comes back on Ravi. If they're still together. But if they're not together, Ravi can be like, I did it under duress. And that's why when Pip left for college, I, like, didn't have contact with her. And I... Ravi deserved better. I was so not happy with this. I fucking hated it. It was not okay. I was so sad. It just... Mm-mm. No. No, no, no. I... I mm <laughs> And then we skip 89 days and there's not even a fucking trial date. I mean, Billy got released, which was nice, but, like, there wasn't a trial date. And then it's day 694. It's almost two fucking years later. And three minutes after the trial, she gets the text and it's like, Hey, Sarge, remember me? And I was just such a whirlwind of emotions because I was sad. But I was like, okay, they got away with it. But then I was like, okay, they're going to be together. But then I was like, is Pip okay? And then the more I reflected on it, I was like, Pip is still not mentally okay. We never got to see her become mentally okay. So it was just a whole thing. And to wrap up this episode, I did really love the book. I hated the book for Pip's mental sake. I hated it for Robbie having to be alone for those two years because he deserved better. Like, Robbie was going to be a lawyer because he knew Pip would need a good lawyer. And he called her Sarge. And he's Robbie. He's my number two book boyfriend. And he just deserved better. And I loved him so much. And, like, I just... I want all of the Robbie and Pip content. Like, I would read a book just about their relationship and their, like, 
Like, I want to see how Ravi's going to propose. Are you kidding me? Or is Pip going to propose? Are they both going to propose together? Like, I need to see all of this shit, okay? So, like, she needs to write more books or little novellas with, like, their moments in them because I miss them and I love them so much. But I did love the book. I think I want more of Pip actually learning to be okay. Like, even just a book about, like, the fallout of the trial and, like, Pip and Ravi's reunion. The issue is I don't think it's ever going to get published because it would just be more fan service than it would be actually drawing people to the books because if somebody picked up Good Girl Bad Blood or As Good As Dead and realized they were then like second and third in a trilogy I think they would be like okay well I'm going to go back and read the first one like actually read it but if she just released a book where it's like this is what happens after the trial and like this is how Pip and Ravi get back together and this is how Pip becomes mentally stable again, it would just be more for the fans of the series. It wouldn't be doing much to, like, actually promote and grow the series. So, I don't think it's going to be okay, or going to be okay, going to be done. But, like, I want it to be done because there's so many unknowns. Like, is Pip really mentally okay? Is the fallout of this ever going to actually leave her? Like, the fact that she killed a man and framed somebody else for it? Like, yes, they were both terrible people, but, like, is that ever going to leave her? Is the gun even gone? We haven't mentioned the gun in a while, but, like, is her heartbeat still a gun? Has she learned to move on from that? Has it gotten worse because of everything she did? Like, it's it's a lot. It is a lot. There's a lot still I feel like we can unpack with these characters. So, I think I'm really just hoping for a mythical fourth book that's never going to happen, but maybe could down the line. But so far is the last one in the trilogy it's a good girl's guide to murder, so I have to love it, and I did love it. There were parts that I loved, and it was interesting and unique and a different turn from the first two books, but it was probably my least favorite in the trilogy, but the impact that the books have had on me means I can't not love it. Like, I I could never hate the book. Even if I hated everything that she did in the book, I could never hate the book because shit I'm gonna cry I was like I took a break in between recording my intro and then recording the like spoiler section and I like started to fucking cry in that and now I'm gonna cry again because like I don't know this podcast has been one of the best things in my life and it's like connected me connected me to so many people on bookstagram and it's allowed me to like have this creative outlet that I never thought I'd have and it's one of my favorite things like Pitboy says Robbie's her best thing. My podcast is one of my best things. And it just... I don't think it would be here without A Good Girl's Guide to Murder. Like, who knows? Maybe had I picked up a different book at that time, maybe I wouldn't have done it. You know, maybe had I read My Dark Vanessa first, which was my second episode, maybe I wouldn't have read it. Maybe... Or done it. Maybe I would have just been like, oh, okay, I read another book. Like, I really think there was something about A Good Girl's Guide to Murder that murder that made me plug in some headphones and start talking to empty space in my room um so yeah these books just the impact they've had on me like I said earlier as soon as I finished reading it I started crying more about like oh my god this series has been so impactful and my life is over um but yeah I, I I love it for a lot of those reasons more than I think I love the plot, but that's okay. 
and it will always, always hold a special place in my heart. And I'm so happy that it's out and that I finally got to talk about it, especially after waiting in all the jealousy of British Bookstagram. And I really can't wait to see what Holly Jackson writes next. And I hope it holds up and I hope, you know, whatever her, because like she's written three books, but I hope whatever her like sophomore, like either novel or series or duology, like I hope whatever it is, is as amazing as this series, though I don't know how anything can even come close, but yeah, this episode's been a lot of fucking emotions, and it's, like, getting me emotional now, so I think I need to, like, stop before I start crying on the podcast, but, um, yeah, I've been Maya Ghosh, and this has been my take on As Good As Dead by Holly Jackson. Thanks for listening. So we're kind of a one-woman show here at My Take, so the credits are not going to be very long. This podcast is produced and edited um, by me. I do all of my own social media. The only person I really have to thank is one of my great friends, Paris, who did the music that is in the intro and that you're listening to now. So thank you, Paris, and thank you all for listening. You can reach me at underscore My Take on Twitter and Instagram. And please leave a rate or review wherever you listen to this podcast. That helps a ton. So yeah, thanks for listening.